0: I think the idea is to do do as well as we can. Try to be your best self as a parent and try to encourage your kids to be, you know, their best self. We're never going to fully reach that. It's okay. Have some compassion. Try not to just focus on the negative stuff, but really look for the positive and make an effort to engage in positive things and be hopeful. Thank
1: you. Thank you. You're listening to an American Red Cross in Greater New York podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael DeVolpierre, communications officer for the American Red Cross in Greater New York. From inconvenience to economic strain to emotional drain, COVID-19 has complicated life for all of us. But the impact on young kids and their parents is unique. Kids are coping with confusion, sadness, worry, and at times loneliness brought on by this strange and stressful moment. Parents are dealing with their children's anxieties and their own concerns, all while juggling the new roles forced upon them by the pandemic. In this next episode of our podcast, we'll be talking about kids, coronavirus, and preparedness. We'll hear from three different Red Cross experts who'll discuss the emotional impact that this is having on kids and ways parents can help keep their kids safe during the crisis and prepared for future emergencies. In our first segment, we'll hear excerpts from my conversation with Alec Cecil. Alec is a psychologist formerly with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and currently at Montefiore Medical Center, working primarily with underserved adolescents, young adults, as well as their families. Alec, who has many different Red Cross roles, is a Red Cross disaster mental health volunteer as well as a service to the armed forces volunteer. Here in our conversation, Alec discusses the impact COVID-19 is having on younger kids as well as older kids and provides helpful coping tips for parents. Alec, it's really great talking to you again. I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to talk about this really important topic.
0: Thank you, I'm happy happy to do it.
1: I guess my first question for you would be, what and how much should we share with children about what's going on around us?
0: I tend to be a big advocate of being honest with kids because I think they know a lot more than we often think they do so I think it is important to be honest and accurate there are can be rumors around and and we want to be able to correct that for kids and we want to try to be age appropriate you know so obviously you would speak to a uh, 5 or 6 year old differently than you would speak to a 14 or 15 year old uh, because of what they can understand in general and what they may understand about the current circumstances initially i'd want to listen see you know what what have they heard What do they know or think they know? Um, How do they feel about that? And then we can correct any misinformation, let them know also on the positive, try to stay positive. Yes, there's this situation going on and there's some uh, concerns and some danger, but for younger kids, especially, there are a lot of adults out there who are working hard to make things better. In our home, we are safe here. Here's what we're doing. We're engaging in these hygiene practices. This is why we wear masks and wash our hands, and some of it is to protect ourselves, which is important, and some of it equally or even more important is to protect other people.
1: I don't know if you could kind of talk through the the different ages and maybe, maybe some of the different concerns you'd have for different age ranges.
0: The teenagers, particularly high schoolers, are more likely to be missing out on a lot of stuff, activities, sports, teams, sometimes significant events, prom, graduation. You know, it's important just to be aware of that. And I know a lot of communities are trying to take steps to support their high schoolers, well, to support kids of every age. One advantage of the older kids, though, is they can talk about stuff and they may not always want to with their parents. So I think it's important to be open, not to push. With younger kids, you know, there could be some regression in terms of their developmental activities, a little more clinginess or crying, things like that. You know, they're missing out. It's harder for them to understand exactly what's going on and, and why. More time with siblings may be, A good thing or sometimes not such a good thing. Uh, That's a challenge to parents, right, to deal.
1: What are some uncommon expressions of these emotions?
0: One is behaviors that are more dramatically different from what kids generally do. And every kid is different, but parents know their kids and they can see, well, this isn't usually them. And a little bit of that would be expected. But if it's more dramatic, uh, withdrawal is a big concern, I think, for all kids, because most kids tend to be social and you want to engage them. Uh, They may need some self-time. You know, nobody's used to being with their family members 24-7. I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, it's easy for parents to over worry because they see something, a little something. You don't want to kind of over interrogate kids or worry about them, but you want to be aware. So I think withdrawal, I think if they're having sleeping problems, if their self-care is not good, if they're not, you know, bathing or showering or brushing their teeth more so than (laughs) usual and, uh, you know, things like that.
1: Yeah, so you've touched on some of these earlier but i wanted to talk a little bit about managing kids desire to return to normalcy to be with friends any any thoughts on that
0: well again i would try to have a discussion with them particularly the older they get okay let's look at the pros and cons a lot of dealing with stress is trying to break things down and take kind of a problem-solving approach
2: Mm -hmm. there's a risk
0: we want to be aware of that. We want to have a sense of what it is as accurately as possible. And one of the difficult things is so much is still unknown about this. Even if you had it and you recovered, are you now immune? We still don't know that. As we're talking now, things have been easing up a little bit and some of the restrictions. So maybe you can allow a little bit more contact. What I mentioned earlier, go out and you know go for a walk.
1: So, um, fear of the unknown, fear of the virus is very much present. Um, Loss of life um, is something kids may be seeing more of. Can we talk a little bit about working through that fear, specifically uh, of loss of life?
0: There's even kind of a hard-to-describe feeling almost in the air sometimes when there are bad things going on. So there's some fear, some sadness. You know, that's a part of life. And I think it's helpful for parents to acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, I feel a little afraid too sometimes. Or I'm feeling sad now when I hear about this or that, or certainly if you lose someone, you know, who you know. So be realistic about that. And obviously the older the children are, the more they understand that, you know, death is part of life.
1: We've talked about kids. Now, how about how about parents managing not only the emotions of what's going on around them, but also possibly being overwhelmed with their new duties as parents, as teachers, um, and as also managing their kids' mental health?
0: So kids pick, pick up on what their parents do, think, feel, say. Uh, it's very important, I think, for parents to take care of themselves. You know, getting some exercise, modeling, effective coping, even if you don't always feel it. You know, try to eat healthfully, make sure you get some sleep, stick to routines. Routines are very important, particularly for children. Routines and structure to feel safe and contained. And it's also helpful for parents. And I think the idea is to do do as well as we can. You know, try to be your best self as a parent and try to encourage your kids to be, you know, their best self. We're never going to fully reach that. It's okay. Have some compassion. Uh, there's a quote I I use. Henry James said, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind, the second is to be kind, and the third is to be kind. And that includes being kind to yourself. You know, it's a little cheesy (laughs) and it's pretty general. But, you know, kind of keeping that in mind can often help in figuring out the particulars of of things to do. And as I said, most people are resilient. Try not to just focus on the negative stuff, but really look for the positive and make an effort to engage in positive things and be hopeful.
1: In this next segment, Jason Lyons, who leads our emergency preparedness programs at the American Red Cross in greater New York, talks about how the birth of his little girl at the start of the pandemic has changed his disaster planning. He also provides really helpful information as we enter what is expected to be a very busy hurricane season. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. I first want to offer you a belated congratulations on your baby girl. Thank you. How's she
2: doing? She's doing great. She's um, developing her own personality already at two months. It's been enlightening and and heartwarming to see what the growth process is like, um, both physically and personally, to see what her personality is is becoming. And what's her name? Her name is Jasmine.
1: Oh, what a beautiful name. (laughs) Thank you. So if you could urge parents to do one thing to plan for disasters that's going to make their lives easier when a disaster does strike, what would that be?
2: My answer is going to be, uh, you said one thing, but it's going to be two. Think and practice. Think about your situation. Think about your environment with your child. Think about what the needs are that you have had and the new needs that you have if you're a new parent. Think about all these things and then extrapolate that to A period of time, two weeks, is is normally what we say is a safe period. You know, think about that. What do you need to have to ensure that you have a comfortable lifestyle for two weeks? Then practice. Build your, your family preparedness plan, your family response plan, and practice it with your family. Most importantly, with your children in your family. Even the babies, when they do something repeatedly, they get used to it. It's less of a surprise. It's less of a shock to them. They're not able to understand what's happening. The infants, the toddlers, you do it. They see you doing it. It's a norm. They know that, hey, we've done this before. Because the unfortunate thing with children is children have a belief that if I can't see it, it can't see me. Right, and let me explain that a little bit. So there was there was a situation I once responded to. There was a there was a fire uh, in a house across from where I lived at the time. And in that house was a 14 year old girl and her younger brother. I think he was about four or five at the time. The fire happened, and I rushed across. I was a young person at the time. I was uh, I was 14, 14, 15, going to 15, and I rushed across to help because I'm young. I want to I want to help. You know, trying to be a hero. I was walking up the steps. And they had a propane tank in that, in that house. The propane tank exploded. It threw me back onto my back a few feet away. And um, the, the young lady was, was able to come out when I called out to her, but her, her younger brother did not. Now, when the fire services came and they extinguished the fire and so on, well, and they found the body of the charred body, the remains of the, the boy underneath his bed, I learned this many years afterwards that this is what this is the normal response for a child to hide, get away from whatever it is because once they can't see it, it can see them. Whatever the danger is, it might be a, a robber, it might be a fire, it might be a storm. They hide, and so you need to practice with your child that. Should there be a fire in this home? Should there be this? Should there be that? This is the response that we're doing, not that. That might be a good response for something else, might be a, a robber in the house, but you need to understand and practice different responses with your children, especially as parents, to ensure they understand what they need to do.
1: Gosh, what a um, what a tragic story. That must have been, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was a life-changing uh, moment in my life. Oh, gosh.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Um,
2: before we go, is there
1: anything you want to add that we didn't touch on?
2: One thing I want, I would like to add, is what we should integrate into our planning given the current COVID nineteen pandemic that we are in. The first thing I want to touch on is ensuring that you purchase or procure personal protective equipment PPE for you and your family, and to put into your kit your Family response or preparedness kit, so that you can use it when the time is necessary to use it. So make sure you have the necessary PPE. There are many different forms of it out there, and, but we're speaking here about having a face covering or face mask, uh, having gloves, and, and for some persons, you want to get, uh, you want to cover as many offices as possible. Maybe getting a fish the entire face shield. To you, whatever to your liking, but ensure that it is within the guidance provided by the necessary authorities, CDC and your local authorities. So look at getting the PPE. The last one I want to speak about is receiving, staying informed with the guidelines from the authorities and communicating that with children. Please communicate that with your children. You will look at the news and see what's happening. You know that we have to do this and we have to do that. We can't do these certain things. But you have to take the time to communicate this with the children. And you might think, well, they don't know and I'm responsible for them. But you need to because you're not sure what situation they're going to be in. And they are very good communicators, depending on the age. Very good communicators. So please take the time to share that information. Get it and share the correct information with the kids. So when that situation does happen... They already know that, listen, we talked about this, and we know what to do.
1: In our last segment, we'll hear from Red Cross volunteer Alex Poku. For the last five years with the Red Cross, Alex has taught young kids about disaster preparedness and how to cope in an emergency. Alex provides here some really helpful insight on keeping kids safe during the pandemic and tips on getting them prepared for unexpected events like home fires and hurricanes. So, Alex, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. First of all, how are you guys? How's your family?
3: We're good. Everybody is doing pretty well. And how many kids do you have? Right now, we have uh, three kids in the house. We have a 10-year-old, a 3-year-old, and an 18-month-old. Okay,
1: Okay. that runs the gamut. So how are they doing? They're doing
3: good. I think the 10-year-old is probably the one that is having the biggest challenge. The mask thing for a 10-year-old, it's a lot harder. The younger kids, they can make it fun. One of the biggest challenges, I think, is to have parents make their mask a little fun. We have for the, the little ones, they have little happy faces on it, emojis, characters on them, So they like wearing them. The older kid complains about the mask, doesn't want to wear it, she can't breathe. Because we get a lot of time outside, she doesn't have to wear it often, but if mm-hmm. she does want to go to the store with us or anything to get groceries, then she has to wear it. And uh, I think just having the limited time of actually having to wear a mask helps her.
1: Yeah. What about hand washing?
3: The hand washing is okay for the little kids. Once again, they like the idea of running into the bathroom and doing it themselves, and obviously just supervising it because they love the idea of being independent that way. Actually, even the the 18 month old loves washing her hands. So as soon as we get in, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go wash my hands. Who's gonna wash their hands with me? And then it's a big big challenge as to who's going to be in the bathroom first. And making fun things, you know, we bought kind of like a little decorative thing for the faucet so that uh, it looks like a cute character. It's an Mm -hmm. elephant trunk that we put on the faucet. So they they like seeing the water come out of the elephant's trunk. So that's pretty interesting.
1: So we are today... June first, entering the start of what is supposed to be a really active hurricane season. Do you have any thoughts on what what parents can take away from COVID to help better prepare their families?
3: Obviously, there's a sad aspect to having COVID and the reality that we have, but there's also been some pretty interesting benefits. Uh, The fact that kids are washing their hands more often, kids are more mindful of how it is that if they touch something and they touch something else, One of the things that we've used a lot with our kids has been just having glitter on their Mm hands and then having them have to clean wherever they see glitter. That has been an interesting game. I think kids play a game with regards to being prepared or being aware has been a good thing.
1: How long have you been teaching kids about emergency preparedness? I've been
3: teaching kids about emergency preparedness for about five years. It's been very rewarding.
1: What has surprised you most about this whole experience of teaching kids emergency preparedness? The fact that they will ask a question is the
3: biggest. They, they have no reservations.
1: Do you have any question that you've been asked that you found the most, the most touching?
3: Uh, it's still, what should I do? What if I can't go and get my sister or my sibling? Uh, I think the biggest challenge that kids have is when you talk to them about not returning to a place of danger, And then we test them by asking them, what should you do if somebody you care about isn't there? Your puppy, your younger brother or sister, or even your grown-ups." And I think that's the biggest challenge is their response where they want to go in to go and rescue that person. And I think the biggest challenge for me has been trying to get them to understand that they can only be a hero if they tell a firefighter, instead of trying to be a hero, they have to we have to convince them that the hero is actually the person who is telling the firefighter to go and rescue somebody.
1: So I wanted to break down a couple tips for parents when talking to their kids about emergency preparedness and disasters, but I want to break it down into younger and older kids. So I don't know if you have a couple top tips for parents of younger kids and how they should interact with their children vis-a-vis these disasters.
3: For the younger kids, it's got to definitely be a game. You've got to make it as interesting as possible so that they understand that it's a game, but it's a game that they have to, uh, they have to know that it's a serious game and it's a game that yes you got to get ready and you've got to be the first person at the meeting spot and you got to make sure you don't leave that meeting spot no matter what and the biggest challenge is the shiny object something can distract the young kid and that's a very very real fact so it's very important for grown-ups to understand that once your child may be at the meeting spot or maybe trying to get to the meeting spot. If anything can be distracting to them, you have to try to see if you can work those things out first. On the way to their meeting spot, place your favorite object somewhere close by and see if, they, if their attention is directed to that. Oh, that's because smart. The whole idea is for them to get to the meeting spot, but you have to also eliminate any sort of distraction. Yeah way to do that is to definitely tempt them during your practices. I think definitely for older kids, put some responsibility on them. Not, hey, you're responsible for making sure everybody gets out safely, but responsible for helping the practice process get better. So if you have an older teen who has younger siblings, I think letting them be in charge of the practice Mm -hmm. is itself a good preparation because they're in charge of their younger siblings in making sure that they practice well. You know, one of the things that I do with my daughter is if she's outside first, she has to encourage the younger kids to come out.
2: Mm -hmm. So
3: it's a matter of letting her know she's in charge of making the younger kids come out by calling out to them, by yelling at their name, come out to be, come to be that sort of direction. So that's what their job yeah. is, is to encourage. If they're out first, they have to encourage them. They will take the tests seriously, or, you know, the practices seriously, but they will take being in charge seriously. A preteen is usually that sort of person. They mm-hmm. want that possibility. So that's
1: something you have to give them. That's really smart. Alex, this has been some really great insights, some really good information. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I wish you well, and I hope you continue to stay safe. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. You bet. I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. Thank you to Alec, Alex, and Jason for taking the time to talk to me. And thank you all for listening. For more information on coping with the emotional impact of coronavirus and preparing kids for the unexpected, visit redcross.org. Be safe, everyone, and let's continue looking out for one another. This episode was produced by Will Wu.